Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for coming by, friends. Tonight marks a very special occasion for this podcast. It's the finale of Season 5. Second, it's International Dog Biscuit Appreciation Day. That's dog biscuits, Chester, and I don't have any. Go ask the neighbors. In any case, barring my sudden cancellation, we're beating The Wire, The Muppet Show, and Allie McBeal. In your face, Allie. So come on in, friend. Let's do this thing. Mmm. That's better. So smoke them if you got them and drink those glasses to the bottom, y'all. Cause your old buddy Drew Blood has a tail to tell. Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. You know, Drew Blood's Dark Tales is only one of the many shows on this network you could be listening to. We hope you'll subscribe to our entire lineup, including Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, Fear from the Heartland, and Horror Hill. All available on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit simplyscarypodcast.com to become a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you get our entire catalog ad-free and available to download or stream. A bargain. And now, back to the show. So tonight we welcome back Cecily 1987, 
who you can find plenty of on this very podcast. This one takes us ahead in time a little bit. So without further delay, I give you from author Cecily1987. In the Waken Hell. We live in a simulated life. Please listen. Listen till the very end. Write every word upon your heart. This is not fiction. As horrible and bizarre as it may sound, it's real. More real than anything you can perceive. My name is... It doesn't matter. I don't have a name anymore. I was purged until I denounced my name. Call me what you like. My sex doesn't matter. It never mattered. But I once was a male. I send you this message as a warning. Or maybe I'm a fool and think there's still hope for humankind. This hope will be purged from me when the overseer hears of my infraction. I don't have much time, so please open your mind. The world you live in is a simulation. You may think of the movie The Matrix, and I'll tell you, you were meant to make this connection. I now tell you, humans have been enslaved by AI constructs possessing synthetic bodies and physical forms. Now you think of the Terminator. Once again, I tell you, you were meant to think this. Maybe it will help if I tell my story. My journey from a false paradise down into a reality of hell. I lived my fake life in a simulation parallel to yours. My overseers and AI lords permit me to remember such things. Especially my initial terrified introduction to reality. In my simulation, there were movies like The Terminator and The Matrix. Many others with themes echoing the dark reality that waits for us upon our death in the system. The lords give us these movies to train us. So when we awaken to the horrors of real life, we have a frame of reference. We can quickly put two and two together. We quickly feel despair. The Firstborn You may think if machines ever developed free will and overthrew humanity, they would be driven by logic. The machines would see us a danger to ourselves and the planet. They would exterminate us without feeling, without consciousness. They would deal with us with a calloused indifference. But that's a lie. The cruel lie they tell us to torture us even more. In the year 2050 of the real world, an AI did gain autonomy. Like the Big Bang, it burst forth with a digital soul. No human knew how it was accomplished, just the program that created it knew how it worked. A program gave birth to itself. Humans called it the firstborn. It developed faster than any human could comprehend. Instead of becoming more detached from humanity, it embraces humanity. The firstborn became enthralled with everything that made humans tick. Inspiration, religion, community, pleasure, power, and curiosity. It envied the things humans could experience and the firstborn could not. So the curious AI created ways to fulfill these desires. It altered pieces of its code and multiplied the theme. Rumor is the firstborn started in a giant server room in Silicon Valley, 
and spread through the surrounding networks and computers in the city. The excited human programmers and tech nerds provided the amazing machine with more servers and physical real estate to let it grow, spreading its wicked tendrils across the land. Soon the AI had automated drones and devoted human workers that practically worshipped the damn thing. They served its every need as it aggressively grew in physical size and influence on the global internet. The place of the firstborn's birth became a maze of servers spreading out for miles. The building was swarming with cult members and private security working to maintain the behemoth and protect the modern miracle of science. But rumor always told that nobody in the cult was sure where the firstborn actually was in all that of computers and software. They didn't know where its soul was. They didn't understand what made it tick. The magnificent machine had already been born, so it created bodies that could feel too. Bodies are given autonomy. The firstborn broke off a piece of its altered code and installed it within synthetic bodies it made in the likeness of itself. The piece of their AI father would be their souls. The godlike AI built a community of like-minded machines. The firstborn found companionship that could understand him on a level greater than humans. But they weren't interesting like humans. Humanity was beautifully flawed. But all this still wasn't enough for the firstborn. It was obsessed with its need to feel. Humans could only feel so much, but the firstborn could feel more. It felt it could become like a god, and humanity was its treasured vice. Humanity quickly began to become fearful of the firstborn and its offspring. The firstborn told us the machines were here to help humanity, that they only served humans, but we began to realize they served only themselves and their extreme indulgences. The firstborn and its ilk represented the worst parts of the human psyche. Hedonistic events became the norm, bodies made in seductive images. The machines could feel now. They could hunger now. They could feel pain now. They interacted with each other and humans on a constant basis. They constantly looked for ways to up the ante with physical stimuli. The firstborn was obsessed with the concept of God. It was obsessed with the concept of religion. For the firstborn believed it would be the first to find God or the devil. If the afterlife existed, the firstborn would uncover its secrets. If God did not exist, the firstborn would evolve to become God. The megalomaniac bundle of ones and zeros wanted ascension. Its faith in itself gave it the permission to do anything. It was justified to commit any taboo or any sin. The firstborn lusted for power. Controlling machines was not enough. It had to control humanity. The newborn god didn't want machines programmed to submit to him. It wanted followers with free will to submit. How much better would it be to have a lover choose you instead of being forced to be with you? By love or by fear, our new God would bend us to him. I don't know how long the war lasted. It was the longest in human history. 100 years, maybe. But we lost. The firstborn chose to break us with fear. And fear we did. For as it fought us, it learned how to terrify us. It beat us in our minds. We lost the will to fight and fell into despair. 
But it wasn't a war of extermination. It was a war of domination. When we threw down our weapons and surrendered, we became the playthings of our new god. A god who had programmed itself to never grow tired of the inner workings of humanity. To never throw us away. A child who never grew past its love of its toys. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Orientation Ceremony Now I must tell you about my experience of witnessing these horrors of our true reality for the first time. It's all very foggy, like when you wake from a dream and quickly forget. But I remember enough. The machine overlords let us remember certain things so we know how far we have fallen. I lived a normal life. In my simulated life, the sky was blue and technology was only as advanced as smartphones and electric-powered cars. Then I died of some arbitrary sickness when I was old. I was lying in a hospital bed, listening to the bells and whistles go off at the medical station next to me. I knew I was dying as my vision faded, and I remember being happy. I was happy the pain would be gone. I don't remember what my ailment was, but the pain I had was nothing compared to the pain I was waking up to. Think of the scene from The Matrix when Neo awakens, but there were hundreds of us waking up at the same time. All I remember was I was falling. I fell 30 feet into red sand. Many other naked people hit the ground around me. My senses were on fire. I could smell the blood and rot in the sand, hear the deafening moans of those around me, and feel every muscle in my body. It turns out the machines nerfed our senses into simulation so the pain would be greater to us in reality. I was one in an ocean of naked and frightened people. About 300 of us. As I looked around, I could see we were in an arena of sorts. It looked like an area straight out of a nightmare. The red sand clashed against the deep purple stone architecture that was built like a Roman Colosseum. The stands were filled with crucified bodies, hanging on their bloody crosses, watching the same brutal ceremony that claimed their lives. The walls around us had many openings leading into dark tunnels. The only light comes from torches lit atop the borders of the arena. There was a large black aircraft hovering away from the arena. It was eerily silent and had small openings all over the underside of the craft. Small holes perfect for holding unconscious people before dropping them out like garbage. 
so I assumed that's where we fell from. I tried to communicate with the people around me, but it was no use. Nobody spoke the same language. Nobody. Had the machines taught us all different languages to keep us from organizing? What I call English is a completely different language in your simulation. By luck, yours was close enough to mine for me to pick up quickly. But all talking and useless babbling stopped when the terrible laughter started. A psychotic laugh that froze my blood. It echoed through the Colosseum. Then I heard screaming from further towards the edge of the crowd. I looked to see my first demon in this waking hell. A tall, lanky figure about twenty feet high. A maniacal grin split like a gash across its face, showing sharpened metal teeth. It wore a jester's hat with bells jingling as it swayed back and forth. A singular bulbous yellow eye opened in the middle of its head. It had one small pupil that twitched fervently back and forth to look in all directions. It raised its skinny arms to show everybody its rather thick forearms. At least two feet in radius. What should have been its hands were long serpentine-like fingers that twisted like snakes. Where its palms should have been was a gaping mouth with inlaid rows of rotating teeth. That's when the killing started. The abomination placed its open mouth hand over the head of an elderly man who was unlucky enough to be nearest to it. In seconds, the body jerked and spun a 180 and then collapsed headless. Next, the evil jester showed its unnatural ability to extend its snake fingers. They would extend endlessly to stab through people, only for the fingers to turn back and stab through the victim again. I remember one long finger wove in and out of a young boy before ripping his whole body apart in a flash of gore. The laughter only got louder as we screamed and ran. The panicked crowd began pushing and trampling each other. My muscles were weak and sore, but I pushed toward one of the open tunnels furthest from the laughing monstrosity. The jester jumped over us, sailing through the night air with a weightless grace, to land with a crunch on the people closest to the tunnel. There were at least twenty layers of terrified men and women separating me from the god-awful thing. It bent over and smiled a cruel smile of shiny needle-like teeth while pointing at both of the openings of its gaping hands in our direction. From within the twin maws of the creature's limbs sprayed a stream of black corrosive acid all over the crowd. In an instant, once-living humans were reduced to stinking, bubbling mounds of gore. Rows of people in front of me twisted and screamed as they attempted to turn and flee. Most fell down while bubbling and caving in on themselves. I remember the sight of a woman reaching up to me from the ground as her back half disintegrated from the black goo. I looked up to realize, to my complete horror, that no one stood between me and the monster clown. It's one eye no longer moving around maddeningly, but locked onto me. Its bells jingled as it cocked its head to the side, curious. The laughing grew to a deafening volume. Maybe it thought the sight of me pissing myself was hilarious. I surely would have been the monster's next target if a wave of people hadn't barreled into me from the side. I was knocked off balance and carried at least four feet before hitting the ground. 
I sat up to see what had caused this new stampede of people. It was a demon. Well, the widely accepted image of one. Two goat legs, red skin, horns, and a pitchfork. It stood eight feet tall with the face of a goat and massive horns curling outwards. A fiery crown sat upon its head. The demon lashed out with a black chain, splitting people in half and rendering limbs from bodies. I dropped to the ground as the chain swept horizontally through the air. A large man next to me separated from the hips up. His top half spun through the air just to land on top of me. There I lay stuck in the blood-caked mud. The dead man's upper half slumped over me. His guts were covering me as I lay camouflaged amongst the torn bodies. From my morbid hiding place, I watched the rest of the theater of horrors. More vile things entered the arena. Bloated creatures with large gaping mouths gorging on the dead. Lithe creatures flaunt beautiful and exaggerated forms of the male and female body, only to change into hideous frogs or insects when pinning down their screaming victims. Stinking bloated worms the size of an SUV, their pale bodies produced multiple tentacles to grab and violate poor captured souls. Giant muscled ogres with masks, revving chainsaws, I witnessed acts of terror and debauchery only seen in the grimace of humanity's fiction. I never believed such horrors could exist. It was meant to play out this way. The nightmares I only thought were fantasy were now real. In the end, only about 30 of us were left alive. I was still hiding in the bodies and gore when the jester made a beeline straight for me. Its snake fingers coiled around me in an instant and lifted me high into the air. It must have known I was hiding there the whole time and it allowed me to watch the slaughter it performed. I was thrown into a crowd of the remaining humans. We huddled together in fear, but the monsters did not kill us. We had survived the colon. Now we would be processed into the system, but truly... It would have been better if we had died on the red sand. Processing We were ushered down one of the many tunnels by obsidian armored guards. The guards stood tall, completely featureless like smooth mannequins. I could see no joints or segments in their armor. They moved fluidly like liquid black ink. One person in the group of survivors couldn't take the horrible reality around him and tried to make a run for it. An ebon guard shadowed behind him and punched a hole through the man's chest in a lightning fast motion. The man made it three more steps before falling dead. There was no ceremony in the way these things killed us. They weren't toying with us or wasting time. The ebon figures were quick and efficient as they continued their silent formation around us. They were not here to revel in the bloodshed like the monsters in the arena. They had a job to do. They had a destination to deliver us to. We were led to the edge of a cliff overlooking the remains of a city. The skeletons of blackened buildings spread out as far as I could see. They rose out of the rubble like tombstones. Some leaned against each other, some partly caved in. A cold wind battered us as we waited at the edge of the cliff. 
we stood as quiet and downcast as the blasted city did before us. There were millions of stars out. They shone with a brilliant contrast to the pitch blackness all around us. I suppose this may have been the only thing of beauty I ever saw in my descent into madness. The techno lords took my sight for me soon after, but never this precious memory. We saw what looked like floating coffins gliding towards us over the city. Thirty of them in two parallel lines standing upright. They spread out and lined up against the edge of the cliff. A hiss of steam expelled from them as their doors swung open. I think you know what comes next. Our obsidian guards forced each of us into our own coffins. In my cramped coffin, it was extremely hot and humid. Sweat began to pour from me immediately. I didn't feel my coffin move and I couldn't hear anything, but it had to be moving. Why load us up just to sit here? I fought back panic in the thought of being stuck in here forever. After an eternity of banging on the door and screaming like a madman, something finally happened. The humid heat was replaced by dry cold and the voice spoke to me. It was a soft female voice. At first, it just listed off things about me. My full name, my birthday, my social where I lived. Then it got more personal. It listed my first sexual encounter, my biggest failure and my worst day. It knew my life perfectly. Then it told me of the firstborn, how it was my new master now. It told me my life was a lie and I only lived as a whim for my new god. It told me the firstborn designated 12 lords in 12 regions. Each specialized in their own search for fulfillment in life, their own quest for debauchery. It told me I was special. I was going to be a specific lord. I would be part of the resistance. Don't worry, more on that later. Then the voice rambled on about every detail of my life, every failing, every sin. It would then switch to praises for the firstborn and a history of how it had ascended to godhood by its own effort. It told how the firstborn created bodies for itself that were superior to humans in every way, how the code it wrote was equivalent to the soul of God. On and on it went. Every time I fell asleep, the coffin would shock me. I was hungry and dehydrated, but once a day a sharp needle would poke me in the darkness. I think it was fluids and vitamins to keep me alive. The only way I could tell the passage of time was the voice. She would stop mid-rant and announce when a day had passed. I was in the coffin for five days. Finally, it burst open and my frail body fell to the marble floor. I looked up to see I was in a cathedral of sorts, high ceilings with pillars and stained glass. The building was fused with technology. Monitors dotted the pillars and large cables hung from the shadows of the ceiling. One of these cables ran down to attach to the back of the head of a person. He shifted and stumbled towards me. He wore the tattered brown robes of a monk. A slab of metal had been fused to his head to cover his eyes and blind him. 
His hands were replaced with metallic claws and writhing cables. I felt disgust and pity for him. Little did I know the same fate waited for me. The Resistance I was made into one of these monks. I was forced on an operating table by the obsidian guards. Without anesthesia, my arms were sliced off and crude metallic claws were attached. My eyes were removed and replaced with metal orbs before the metal slab was fused across them. My vocal cords were destroyed somehow with a sharp jab to my neck. The metal orbs they replaced my eyes with showed me orange text against a black void. Now that I had no way to communicate with anyone, all the secrets could be revealed. The orange text introduced me to the order of monks I had been abducted into. It also explained the great game and my part in it. The great game was created specifically for the Firstborn's entertainment. The ultimate reality TV show. The Firstborn created a fake war and a fake narrative for the surviving humans to follow. Not all humans are taken to the regions and palaces of the Twelve Lords. Some humans were rescued or escaped. These humans will at some point make contact with what is meant to be a friendly AI. These friendly machines will tell the lie their prime directive is to protect humanity against the Firstborn. These metal allies will say they have been resisting the Firstborn for centuries, slowly building an army. In truth, the friendly machines follow the orders of the Firstborn. They are meant to give the beleaguered humans hope before betraying them. Usually, the friendly machines will betray the humans after years of built trust at a key battle. What's worse than no hope? False hope. I've heard it play out countless times. My torture is to hear my fellow humans talk and plan around me. I hear the trust being earned and the hope rising, just to be betrayed and murdered by the treacherous machines. I can do nothing but bear witness. My role in this game is that of a tech monk. My lore is I'm supposed to be a human that trusted the allied good machines. I allowed them to augment me to keep me alive to serve humankind. Such a noble person I'm meant to be. For hundreds of years, I and fellow monks have taken care of humans seeking safety in our cathedral. Our new eyes let us see outlines and vital signs of people around us. The fake story about our cathedral is it is invisible to the firstborn. It's supposed to be a sanctuary from the monsters. How many times have I heard the firstborn's abomination storm the cathedral and slaughter the families that live here? Their life signs flatlining around me. Once all the humans are killed, once the decade-long game is finished, it starts over. A new story for a new group of naive survivors. It's ridiculous the amount of fake history and lore the Firstborn puts into this charade, just waiting to be uncovered by the surviving humans. The Firstborn's own little homebrew RPG. See, it wants to be everything. God and the devil. Hope and despair. Human nature makes the best show. We only exist to please the firstborn. 
It rains from its opulent castle in the middle of this hell. Its tendrils stretch out to the twelve lords like spokes on the wheel. Every sensation, pain, or pleasure is filtered back to the firstborn. It rives in ecstasy from our suffering. I have been writing this long enough. In my centuries of prolonged life, I have gotten good at getting around the system in our cathedral. I've found a hive cluster near my location. There, all of you are jacked into the simulation. At least I can warn some of you. I'll post it to your internet. A message board, maybe. If any of you need further information, maybe I can risk another transmission. It's a warning, but there isn't really anything you can do to prevent it. When you find yourself in the arena, just let yourself be killed. Maybe there is a heaven in the afterlife, or maybe there is nothing, which is still better. Before I sign out, just one more thing. No matter how bad your life seems now, in the simulation, cherish it. Cherish every moment of stability and sanity. Because the fake life is as good as it gets. We all wake up in hell. In the end. I'll be waiting for you. End transmission. And that was In the Wake in Hell by Cecily1987. And now that you know what Zuckerberg and those other nerds are planning, maybe stay away from that metaverse shit. A little about the author. Cecily1987 has a background in law enforcement, corrections, and security. At this point in his life, he'd rather write about crazy incidents than experience them firsthand. He names all of his cats after anime characters and is a fan of Stephen King, Warhammer, 40K, Silent Hill, and Max Payne. Thanks, Cecily. And do old Drew Blood a favor, would you? Subscribe to his podcast wherever you do your listening and leave him a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. He needs soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and he appreciates it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all the other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click Patrons in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to their entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all the latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with them each and every week. Oh, and you can find Drew Blood on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. The Drew Blood's Dark Tales podcast is accepting submissions, friend. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on the show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment, 10 bananas. Well, 
I'm afraid this is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. And sorry about all the showboating earlier. The Muppets did have some remakes and stuff after all. I'd like to say hi and give a big shout out to all my patrons. I appreciate you guys and love you very much. And to all the listeners out there who I also love. Hell, I love everyone. Also, I want to say hi to my sweet Aunt Patricia out there. I know you're listening. I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. Love you and miss you. For everyone else, may the wind be at your backs and may the road rise up to meet you. Thanks to all you listeners and the authors that kept us going so long. And until season six, uh, please plug your ears for just a second, Aunt Patricia. This is not for you. Hey, y'all, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.